0: Hey, how are you doing? Welcome to the Fell Pony Podcast. I'm Tom Lloyd, and it's really lovely to have you all here again. I have a huge amount of respect for today's guest. There have been a few breeders who have really helped and encouraged me over the years, and I always learn something by spending time with them. Bill Potter breeds the Greenhome ponies on Birkbeck Common. Having been bred and reared in the harsh conditions of Shap, they're tremendously hardy, Some of the mares have never been handled and live in feral conditions, trusting to their instincts in harsh weather. In a recent wildness survey, the Greenhome ponies came in the top 5% of wild equines in Europe. So, a very warm welcome to my guest, Bill Potter. Bill, how are you doing? (laughs) Hi, not too bad, all things considered. And have the curlews arrived yet? Yes,
1: they have, lad, yeah. They're in full cry.
0: For me, that's the sign of spring. When the curlews
1: arrive... That's right. And for me, when they're making a lot of noise, it's a sign there's a fox about.
0: Ah, there we go. Yeah. I always feel like I'm a bit in the wilderness, if I can hear a curlew. So how have you and Isabel wintered? Oh uh, a bit, bit rough. We're getting older. Yeah, and you can have some pretty hard winters up at Stonygill, can't you?
1: Yes, we've had as much snow this year as we had for quite a while.
0: It felt a little bit like spring today. Growing weather, as Margaret, who had the farm in our village, she would say it was growing weather. So have you been getting any of that up there?
1: Oh yes, yes. We've we spread some muck, and we and the grain shoots is coming through the muck. You know, it
0: it has freshened up. Good, glad to hear it. So look, um, I would like to. Go, I want to go right back to the start, Bill, and and how far back do we go with your family breeding ponies?
1: My family's had them as long as I can remember, and and before I was born, which is '82 here in July.
0: So take me right back to when you were a little boy. So what what was your experience with ponies? Who had the ponies, and what would they, what would they have been doing?
1: My uncle had two brown mares by Hardendale model, and and they were the first two I can remember. And uh, they just did all of the work. Your father had fell ponies. How many did he have? Just a pair for working, but it, it was on farms where they had fell ponies, I know.
0: So did he breed them or was he just working them? No,
1: I just working with them. Yeah.
0: I don't know if it was your father, but your family were using pack ponies when they were build, building the M6. It would be like more
1: like a horse and cart, a table like on Loon Gorge. More fell pony Dells crosses, like miniature cobs. Yeah, a bit bigger than fell slightly. When I left school, my job was a horseman. I got hired as a horseman. And uh, it, uh, I did everything. I even ploughed with horses, and then I used to take tatties up with horses. And it, it, there wasn't any tractors, you see. When I first left school, I was I went down to Grey Southern down in West Cumberland. And that's where I was at. I worked at uh, uh,
0: on farm at Sellerfield before there was a Sellerfield. We i back a long time, Tom. So what were you? What kind of horses and whose were they? What were you doing? I want to know more.
1: I it was my uncle, my uncle's horse, and, and I just when I left school I went to work for him, and I was like horseman, not tractor man. There wasn't a tractor. There was three or four his horses, and we used to, lead turnips
0: and lead muck and do everything with horses. So were ponies just like part of you? Was that was that you just knew you were going to do horses? I ah, you know they bred in you, you see. I don't, they're in my blood. Yeah. And when did you get your first fell pony then? What's the story with the fell ponies? How did they come into your life?
1: I fell pony. I I, I bought my first fell pony in 1952 for eleven pound. And and I was on three pound a week wages in them days. So I took my like three weeks to buy my pony. It would be unregistered, it was a fell pony, but it was unregistered and it would be like uh, Ted Benson's breed at Adamthwaite, uh, like
0: uh, Bob
1: Beatty's father in law,
0: that's where it would come from. Yeah. So, there would have been a lot of unregistered ponies then, back then, were there?
1: Oh, oh there were definitely more unregistered than there was registered.
0: Yes. So, when did you start breeding under the Greenhome prefix? 1972. And how did that start? Did you start with some Heltendale mares?
1: Yes. And it started with the Potter Brothers, there was four on us, and, and we started with one each. And then they just bred up after that. And, and uh, me and Terry finished up to be the men's there. But I used to get one or two offside every every year. Just what they wanted to sell us and, and keep the price down. So much cheap. I wanted something thick and heavy and not too big. Like 13 hands the top height. So mine was more like 12 twos, but th- as thick as, and heavy bone as I could get.
0: Did you have like a particular lines in mind from Sarge you were looking at?
1: No, I, I, I went for the hardy type, them that never that stayed out on top and fell all the time, would never come home for out a uh, heated winter and that. Only the toughest survived. They were nice ponies, or hard ponies, and you know, they could live on snow through winter. Well, they had to do it. hard winter. They lost, they lost a lot in 1947, where we it fell in, Ravensdale, on the 47 winter, and they were on the Howgills. A fellow called Willie Preston, he had the ponies, and they were on Howgills, and uh, Ted Benson was also on the farm of Willie Preston's, and the ponies all run from Adamthwaite and Huldale and they lost them all except five in, in winter they just couldn't get to them they were hungry, they got on, on the fell and they used to get down into the uh, valley bottoms and they couldn't get them
0: out and i believe there was one group um that they found where there was just a yearling colt that survived Aye, that, that, that that
1: was at Sarge's up uh, up Rigondale up, up on top end of Oswater Dam Open on on your galp road right, up dam side. It's it's out on your right where eagle uh, nest is, and that's where they were stuck in there. There was that much snow they couldn't climb back
0: out, and they were just stuck in bottom. And if I've got this right, when eventually Sarge and whoever else was with him managed to get to them, there was only only one had survived, and that was a yearling colt called Heltondale Roma. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Sarge, as I understand it, because I know this story because. Um, my dad went and bought Mares from Sarge in 1957, and Sarge had, had kept this stallion Hildea Roma because he said, "If that colt can survive that winter, that's the kind of colt I want as a stallion."
1: Exactly. Yeah. When uh, Molly Lang gave over, I bought. My, I got Molly's. Well, she knew we were starting up and buying a few, and and. Uh, she just asked us if they were any good to me, and I said, yes,
0: I'll come and see, and went and bought them. And were they Heltondale as well? Yes, yeah. So we, we keep on going back to Hiltondale. It's Heltendale's very strong. Yes,
1: yes. And when Harry Lancaster gave over, I got Harry Lancaster's, which was on Bluecaster, and I got uh, Thomas Harper's at Walthwet, I got his. There's quite a few, and they were selling up. I bought them. In them days, they, they, they never got a bite of anything to eat. They just lived off what they got on fell. And uh, nowadays we feed them, you say, Well, that's why we've got into bother, for feeding them. Uh, well, mine, at mine side, what they call Burbeck Common, it's uh, 750 hectares. And then where my brother Ted and John run, they're on the Roundthwaite Common. I have three stallions at our house, but my brother, I think, they have seven, but they have them all over the place. How do you choose what stallion, and is that why you've got more than one stallion? Yes, aye, and and like my old horse, some of them's his daughters, you see, so I have to swap, find somewhat different blood for him, and then the, the have a, my third one's just the 2 it all this time, and I've just kept on him because he's grey. I think when we register this year, we'll top a thousand green home ponies.
0: You'll have bred a thousand green home ponies over the years.
1: Yeah, uh, when we register this year. Yeah.
0: And you know, I suppose this comes back to the question: Why you've got more than one stallion? How do you go about improving your stock and choosing the right stallion to serve different mares? Ah, uh, it's
1: just a case of lucky dip, really. You, just, you think yeah, that'll make a good... But bestens do not breed the best. That's, you can't get that through to people. Yeah, your, your stallion can look useless, but a very,
0: very good getter. And that's that's bestens don't get the best. So you say it can be a little bit of potluck, but I then I guess if you do find a stallion that clicks with a mare and you get good foals out of that, you'll keep going back to that stallion. Keep that line going, yes,
1: yeah. Uh, and, and like uh, a lot of feather doesn't breed a lot of feather, you know, you, you, you've got to sort of exaggerate your points with your stallion. Uh, they must be able to go at the front. A lot of them daisy-cutters it back, they just shovel it back, but if they can't go front, they can't go back. You know, it, it's, it's nine times out of ten its shoulder that's wrong.
0: So it's picking the feet up and moving forward. That's what you want.
1: That's right. That's right. If they if they got front and pick the knee up, back'll follow through. You know, but the knee would just shuffling like a dairy could You've got to have some hock action and all.
0: So you mentioned there just a minute ago about um, you know having different uh, bloodlines, and I think at one point your herd represented about twenty percent of the foals that were bred from the hill breeders. So. Do you have distinct bloodlines? Do you have, like, you know, I know in my herd I've got four different bloodlines that I'm trying to keep strong. So do you, do, you, are you, do you look at it the same way, and do you have different types of pony within the herd, different, different bloodlines, different types? Yes, and, and
1: uh, colour and all we were a very hard line, brown, dark brown, very long line of them.
0: So, and that follows through with the mares, does it? So would you yeah, try and yeah. choose a brown stallion to keep them brown, or would you look at a black... No,
1: no, we don't have a brown stallion. We up we, oh, last year I had one last year, but we
0: uh, don't have a brown in at all this time. So you're not looking at a stallion for its colour, you're just looking for it for its ah, other qualities?
1: That, that's right, the type, and if it can move.
0: I read somewhere, I think it was you, I'm sure this is you, saying that the wild ones make the better working ponies.
1: Definitely. They come in the quietest. You must handle them quietly. If you're quiet with them, they come in brilliant. You know, we've just been halting our yearlings and we've never had such a quiet bunch, never. But Isabel's been f- feeding them with a bit of hard feed and talking to them and, and she, got, she could stroke the noises. But they've never been halted till last weekend. And, and you know, a, a young lass come and helped us. And three days you could do out with them, any mortal thing.
0: Well, I, I definitely agree. I like, um you know, wild ones make the better working ponies. I think that's my experience as well. You know, I like a bit of spirit in a pony. And if they're handled too much at a young age, they can lose their respect, can't they? Absolutely. They're, they're
1: just bullies. they are just shove you about. They do lose your respect. You've got to be quiet
0: with them, handle them quietly. So, what's your process for handling young stock then? Where, you know, How do you go about that? What age do you wean them and what sort of handling do you do? We sort of wean them at in the beginning of
1: October, and we, when we wean them, we tie them up and let them hang, like they hang the cellars then. They just pull back on rope, and, and you tie them up for a couple of hours, and then next day it'll be for three hours, and do that for about or six week and then when we let them off we'll let them off with a, a long line on them like a, a long long halt. yeah a long halter rope yeah that's right and then you can just go and pick it up in the Pen would keep them
0: in, there's a telegraph ball in the middle, there's hot roof up and we just tie them to that. I guess you would be needing to get the young ones handled for showing, is that right? Yes. So uh, you'd be you've got to be able to catch it. Uh walk right, it in a box bit. and Yeah. Trot it around the field and hopefully it behaves.
1: Yeah. Yes. All right. But uh a lot of them do not get that at all. They're just tied up and then uh, if we move them anywhere the guy the good to Lord, they just we have a good Lord in place where we're just writing them in and the guy in and and that's it. And they've been in and out of box twice or three times, the guy in the cells.
0: And you've done a lot of showing, haven't you? Has that been really important for you, showing? Not
1: really. It, I know Where, uh, like, when I get to Native Pony magazine, I always like to say there's any green armour in, and, and there been, this last five or six years, there been numerous of them. There's been quite a
0: lot. So some people listening may be aware you alluded to it at the start, didn't you? You said you'd been in a bit of bother. Um some people listening may be aware that you were taken to court for illegal grazing of a triple SI and you were convicted, but you won on appeal as the evidence in your defence was so strong that the case just collapsed. Yeah. So that must have been a really hard um time, you know, standing your ground fighting that case. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But I I I I was supposed to win my cash,
1: but in my own eyes, I didn't win it because they put me out of business, as it, as it is like. I can't. My ponies can't go on common anymore. They're often common, so
0: in my eyes, they're not really fell ponies. It's extremely difficult. So you've had to take your ponies off the common, but now they're coming back for another go. Well, I, because my brother Terry would do the part of green on ponies. He
1: won't take any notice. He's taking his, his guns because they can't really... Find him as such because my, in my case I was claiming single farm payment on my sheep and, and like a hill subsidy. Well, Terry doesn't claim that, so they couldn't do much with him because they co- but they were threatened to stop my single farm payment, which is quite a, quite a lot of money. as so they will put me out of business.
0: And if I'm right, this all this all comes down to the fact that they, Natural England uh Claim that the ponies are grazing a dwarf shrub that they're trying to protect. Aye. Aye, but the ponies doesn't do half as much
1: damage as the red deer, and the red deer when you're not just a my before when I got up there's twenty-one red deer outside our yard gate, no ponies. But 21 red, do you?
0: And you've actually spent time on the fells with uh, David Murray. So, David Murray is a, yeah. an academic who's been doing lots of research into the um, grazing habits of native ponies, and particularly fell ponies. Yeah. And yeah. you've actually spent time on the fells yeah. with David Murray, collecting evidence that the grazing of the dwarf yeah, shrubs exactly. is yeah. carried out by the deer, not the ponies, haven't you?
1: Exactly, exactly. So,
0: yeah. David Murray has also actually been conducting a, what he calls a wildness scale. Which he's been collecting data from breeders for a few years now. And I understand from a piece of, piece of his work that your herd on the, the common are in the top 5% of wild equines in Europe for wildness. But if they were to be brought down off the fell in winter, they're hardly considered wild at all.
1: No, exactly.
0: So yeah. I'm just, you know, just trying to re- reinforce how important it is that we have these ponies that are out on the fell all year round unhandled yes because they're actually representing a very very small percentage of the ponies that can be truly called wild
1: yeah but you see in my eyes with my sheep and my cattle and not putting them on i can put 27 ponies on summer and winter but they've come now that uh, can't go on on winter you I don't want 27 on through summer because I bring them in to stallion and to like let them all fall in by in the land and, and get them served up again for next year. So I don't want any on coming through summer.
0: Okay. Um, well, I, I just... Uh, I, 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 am a, I am a little bit at a loss for words to what to say really because it just seems such a crazy, crazy situation. Yeah. So just to be precise here, when you were out on the fell with David Murray, what did you actually see? Well, uh, oh, he had a
1: a square thing, like he made it his cell, and it was a square, uh, just like a net, a net but uh, and and it was like two foot by two foot, and. Uh, Took it and we put it on common, and we used to get down on our knees and say what sort of grass and, uh, was on common, and we did that on a uh, 500 sites, and named every one, every site, and and, and just looking at plants, and uh, we just picked it, and we didn't pick anywhere special, but if there was where a quad had gone through, we just put it inside it and, and tried to say where it quad it damaged it, and and we were looking for damage and like just just say what was da- what damage there was doing to common with like a horse hoof prints there could be four hoof prints but one would be not only marked ground you know the others you could say they're there but it, they didn't go through the soil through the sod and that's what we were doing and, and uh, we did 500 of them sites as he called them and recorded every one and then at some point you saw some deer Oh deer I deer was there, definitely.
0: <laughs> so how but how do we know it's the deer and not the ponies?
1: we we got like as near as we could, which would be maybe five metres away from a pony and just watch to see what it ate and then go and look and see what
0: it had eaten off. The change in habitat since the triple SI was established has affected the skylark, hasn't it?
1: Oh definitely. Too much grass. Too much they, they, they don't uh, they can't see any predators, you know, there's, there's scots and weasels and, and and they just can't see them if they're down in long grass.
0: So let's get on to the loss of another herd, actually, which was um, the Heltondale sale, the Sergeant Noble's Heltondale sale. Because you handled all the ponies in the ring, didn't you, at the Hel- Heltondale sale?
1: Every one. I, well, I was there for six weeks before and, and handled every pony, put them a head strap on and, and tied them up and, and led them. Every pawn
0: here. I think there was 105 altogether. So it can be dangerous, can't it, in the ring? Um, I think you had a little counter with dry barrels lucky, didn't you? It wasn't so lucky for you. <laughs> I know. It.
1: Out of all them ponies, only one tried to kick me. <laughs> it didn't just It didn't just catch me, but it, I could feel draft of it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Right, okay Bill, okay, so here we go. So now um, we've got to the part of the show everybody's waiting for, so this is where we're gonna do the call the herd home. I'm gonna call my mares as if I'm calling them for bale of hay, and then I'd like you to do the same, all right? Okay, so I'll go first.
1: Come on! Come on, home! Hey up! Hey up! Come on!
0: If you like what you're hearing, why not come and join the herd at Patreon? and help us continue to provide great content for free. As well as podcasts, we've already uploaded over an hour of Fell Pony films to our Fell Pony Adventures YouTube channel. So come and join the herd at patreon.com fellpony. Andrew Thorpe told me that when he bought the TBA greys from Sarge, Sarge had said to him, that when he was 10 years old his grandmother had told him that when she was 10 years old so i don't know how far back we're going now but we're going back some way the heltondale herd was mostly greys and there was i think only one black amongst them yeah so what was the herd like when you first got to know them
1: they were nearly all dark brown
0: like wet sleddle ponies are all dark brown with black legs and and
1: sides was nearly all dark brown very few black ones
0: and you had Heltendale Black Prince, didn't you, for a while? I believe you shared him with Tommy Capstick. Yeah, yeah. I went to take a mortgage out to buy him. <laughs> uh, did you buy him from Sarge? Yes. Uh, you must have really wanted him then.
1: I did a painful job, but I, I never did really take to him. I, did, I never used him one season and then left. I swapped Thomas with a pony out of Miss Crossendall called outendale uh, no, not victor, but as i i gave uh, my share to Thomas,
0: and they gave my me mirthwa victor a thousand green home ponies, so you must have learned so much over the years bill so what uh, yeah. what what have you learned from your ponies, do you think
1: not a lot really the wet things is today <laughs> i haven't learned much to talk to tell it through so... As in, a, as, re, as in a proper downer with them at the moment, well, I've decided I'm going to sell them all in July. They'll have to go, because in my eyes, they'll have come off common. They're not fell ponies anymore.
0: So I've just decided. I'm sure people listening are aware it, that it's just such a huge loss to, to lose this herd. It really is. Yeah,
1: yeah. But John will still, is, and Ted will still keep their few. There will be a few left, but my all established ones are left to go mm.
0: that must have been a really really hard decision for you Bill I can't can't imagine really
1: I know oh, there'll be some tears if I go I might not even go that bloody day and send them in The
0: they're like family aren't they these ponies oh definitely aye yep it feels like there's, there's so many ways this could have worked out differently and it hasn't I still think and maintain I've got rights and, and I have rights for 27
1: but it's my neighbours, to the farmers, sheep farmers, they want the ponies off. They're going to get a good subsidy for taking them off. You know, they get a lot, a lot of money.
0: Some people would say that there have never been lots of hill herds. And as you've said, when you got into breeding, many of the fell ponies weren't even registered. So there would have been more ponies living out on fells. Oh yes, but a lot more. Why is it important that we have fell ponies living in semi-feral herds? Well, it's to try and keep
1: the hardiness. Like I've been all saying, that when it's hard winter weather, they'll live on snow. But if they're a bit crossed, if there are any dales in them, not, they don't do the same. They're not as hard as proper fells.
0: Do you think the semi-feral herds are more at risk than they've been before?
1: Definitely. They definitely are.
0: Where, where do we go from here, Bill? Where do we go? If we're going to try and save some of these ponies you know everybody knows that after a few generations if you take a fell pony off the fell you're going to lose those qualities that make it a fell pony so where do we go from here it's so fragile the small number of herds we've got and we are in danger of losing more than just your herd so how do we stop this how do we protect them
1: well i i can think of another four
0: herds that could disappear overnight can you tell me how the breed has changed over the last 30 40 years yes
1: I think it's just fashion what people want you know like uh, like the gypsy boys to computer says can you well, have you got a good old-fashioned yeah new fashion is a lot better better to look at better ponies but but not they don't move Sam them. Them, them all old fashioned, they're good movers. With, uh, these new, these modern, they don't, they don't move like that. No. I don't know which year it would be. I I, I went went to judge at Royal Shaw and, uh, boy, what a difficult job that, that was. There were that bloody fat, they couldn't move, they were just wobbled and, and following week, I come back to judge at Ravensdale Shaw, and in the Geldmark class, there was 13, and every one was better than out at it, Royal Shaw. So that, that that did take George in.
0: If you're breeding a pony that doesn't have the right movement, what do you do to correct that?
1: Aye, well, you see, your movement, it all, like, it depends. Beds on the sh- shoulder. If shoulder isn't right, well, everything wrong. You know, it, you, like you see some of these in know that the what I call bull necked. The the have near withers, the the
0: too flat on top of us. You don't
1: have a bloody saddle stopped on. You know.
0: but this it's takes time, doesn't it? So it's going to take. Oh, it's going to okay. take you. Go on. Yeah. So let's talk about how long it takes. So you you decide you want to change something. You put it to yeah, a stallion, so you got to wait yeah. a year. Aye. It'll take four or five
1: years before before they realise, you know. I've said two or three times in council that the two-year-old, they shouldn't be a to license. It costs you a lot of money to, to get through. Well, if a breeder could breed six falls to a two-year-old stallion, he would tell you, whether it wants bloody Copenhagen uh, or Castorhead, uh, you know, it, it's only boiled down to common sense,
0: and, and a lot of common sense is gone. So over the years, you must have had a lot of different stallions from different studs, then. Which? Oh where, yes. Where have yeah. you gone to for your stallions? Uh, mostly Elton Eltendale. Uh, but have you brought in other bloodlines from the other herds? Just Thomas, I think. I uh, kept and kept our own. Mm you've um, kept your own okay so so i guess if you've got several different bloodlines going that means that there comes a point where the stallion from this bloodline can be used on the other bloodlines yes mix them up. going back who else would have given you help and advice because because you actually bill you know you've been very generous with your advice and help for me and encouraging me over the years you know you and bert actually the the pair of you have been brilliant for me so so when you were a young man who would you have gone to for advice and who would have given you help I, ted
1: benson it was a uh, like uh, uh, nineteen forty That was hard winter, and my father, father worked for a fella called Willie Prest, which Ted Berger also worked for t- Willie Prest, and then they spent d- days on how girls looking for the ponies, and uh, Ted was a, a very very good horseman. Yeah. And and then you see, as time went, like Tommy Bainbridge, he was a, he was a, everybody used to call him Judge. and then I, I uh, Walter Chewer, he was another good man, and and Walter Idle, he was a he was a character and a good and a good right. He Used to go and see them and look at the ponies and uh, or see them at the show and, and shore was a big collecting point.
0: And when you talk about doing gathers on the girls there'd have been no quad bikes, so was that all, you know, riding? No, how... r- riding
1: or walking. And I never was any good at riding, but I used to have to get in st- on sheep st- trods and be in steep spots. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so you would have all helped each other out, would you? Is that how it works?
1: Oh, yes. Yes, that's how it worked. I, mm.
0: So describe. So tell me about the gathers. How many people would you be, and how would you go? Because the How gills, there's some big valleys in there. How would you go about finding oh, them? Oh,
1: aye, aye. Well, uh, me and Thomas, we used to ride round, round by through long fair mile and 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 uh, and through right round Sedbergh. It was thirty-three mile, mile round in car. It was the Norwich point to stop and save through the pony up, up which gill. And then we uh, used to go back next, there and gather them. And once or twice, we did 28 to 30 miles on quad. Chessing them home. Aye. They're in family groups. Aye. You can sell one and maybe get it back as three four-year-old and it'll go back to where it was born. Aye, if you knew uh, Thomas knew which born he wanted, he could go right to where it Right, i come on Howgill's.
0: So with yeah. sheep we talk about being hefted, don't we? So it's the same thing I guess. That's right, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Cowper Day is a um, sale of horses and ponies at Kirby Stephen every year. It doesn't happen anymore, does it? But um, you would have been part of yes.
1: that? Yes. Right. I used to go and get, gather them in at Walter Chauvers. And then next morning, Walter would give you your orders which road end you were to stop at and turn
0: ponies towards our run down road. And were these fell ponies or were they all kind of ponies? They were, no, they were everything. How many ponies would he have and this is down the main road of Kirby Stephen? Well
1: he gathered everything and took took everything and then he'd win them
0: into auction and mares went back but so much mares got sold. We talked a bit earlier about the fact that your ponies are in the top five percent of wild equines in Europe because yeah. of the way they live out on the fell yeah. so and I think you said at the start that back in the day they would have had no supplementary feed at all
1: not a, not a thing, no.
0: So not nowadays how does it work nowadays?
1: well quite a few won't get anything but uh, we've, we we've fed ours and then we got into trouble but uh, it wasn't the ponies that was doing damage it, it was a uh, bloody man on the tractor <laughs> that and food across common. It made two roots roots right? But there'll be some ponies who what, who don't bother coming down at all or No. Ted Ted is uh, seven uh, youngsters it'll be three and four year olds been on common and they've never had a bite all winter. No oh,
0: and the the feet, yeah, they look well. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I think this—I think this is you that said this. If not, it's one of it's one of you lot. Um, a fell pony should lose all of, lose its fat once a year.
1: Exactly. Yes, it, it should be um, March. March. Uh, like I said to people at, at these shores, "I would like that at our house for one month, March." See how it stood it. <laughs> but you see, they can get the back. They get the fat on through summer. And they lost it. In in well, they can live six weeks just on the back fat. You know, if it comes a really bad storm.
0: My dad Walter would say that was something. It was harder to get the mares in foal if they were too fat.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: So it's but it's a fine line, isn't it, between too fat and too thin?
1: Well, a pony should be it should be thin once a year, and then it it, because they can they can get too they get too soon fat. And they killed them with kind, you know, that far better to be just half-weight as as our fat.
0: How has the common changed over the last 20 years since the SI was established?
1: Well, I'll say how has it changed since foot and mouth? And it's, that's 21 year, 20 years. And it's like a bloody wilderness. And... There's more and more hikingers come, and I'm frightened to death. They'll burn us out. If they strike a match on top of that fell, it'll soon be down at Mortower. Yeah. So the bloody way, it's Pete and heather, and you can I can see a come, a fire coming, like that down in Lancashire.
0: Yeah. You can walk up there and you can actually see see the difference.
1: Absolutely, it's uh, there's no skylarks because there's too much grass, they won't settle among that long grass because they can't say the predators coming.
0: Can you describe the green home stamp of pony?
1: West in the country, <laughs> <laughs> aye. <laughs> no, the. We like a nice, shy type with a good mover. Right? I think when you've been along as as, among them as long as we have, you can go and and walk and say, well, that's out of such and such. You can pick them out with the eyes or the ears, or the head, you know. And you can you can say that's such and such a breed, and, and nine times out of ten, you're right. When you get the old microf- like chip and say.
0: What are the stallions you have at the moment, Bill?
1: I just have uh, I have two older ponies, and I have uh, a two-year-old that I'm going to get license this time. He's a green. but uh, my uh, old horse is Green Warrior,
0: and my young one's Green Home Jasper. What is it about each of those stallions that's decided you've kept it? Do they have different qualities that you? Yes, eat? they do. My me, me Jasper
1: isn't as uh, well he's a better looking pony than Warrior. He isn't the best looker isn't Warrior, but he's a damn good getter. But uh, he's more sure quality is Jasper. Because you've done a lot of judging, haven't you? Aye, quite a bit, yeah.
0: Is it sometimes quite hard to... I know,
1: a bit difficult when you get down to the nitty gritty, but you usually cast your eye on one and say, well that's mine. i I'd pick the one I want to take home.
0: I don't think anybody's said it to me like that before, but that's probably exactly the right attitude. Okay. Uh, hi. Yep. Do you have a favourite or one that you're most proud of? Mm.
1: Alt, uh Glenarm Glory that was one of the best we've ever bred, and sold it to Beverly Hodgin because it always had colts for us sold it to Beverly
0: and she got three fillies right off <laughs> 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 Right, okay um, now I asked Andrew Thorpe this same question so how many mares do you have at the moment, Bill, on the fell?
1: Well, good question. I can't put them on, fell. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. We'll them um, off. I'll, okay, but okay. I'll rephrase f-
0: that then. Um, how many mares do you have at the moment?
1: Just fifteen to fall this year, mate.
0: And how many of them can you catch? Put a rope on. Oh, good. That's another good question.
1: Not, not so many. No, you could. You couldn't walk up to any field and catch them. You'd have to get them in a, a, a stair, like in a we I'll shoot them. We'll get them in doll shop and we can handle them then. But uh, I couldn't guarantee any to put a hold on it and it would lead off and follow you. <laughs> I, couldn't guarantee, I couldn't guarantee that. <laughs>
0: so we're winding up now, with the, um, the last five minutes. So I've got uh, three quick questions for you, Bill. OK, one word answers. So the first question is, ride or drive? Drive. Good. Second question, favourite pony or... Line of ponies in the history of the breed. That's a harden,
1: It is a harden. All like as I said before, Glenon
0: Glory was one at best we've ever had uh, uh, stallion. If there was just one you were going to keep and take home, which one would it be? Ah, exactly. I tell you what, I'll give you a mare and a stallion. Well, with that many,
1: my best is my old horse Warrior. He's bred some
0: beautiful ponies, some good ones. Okay, Greenham warrior. So which mare are you going to take with him?
1: Maybe Greenham lily, a grey mare. She's bred some good falls.
0: Okay, Bill, third question, black, brown, bay or grey? I like the greys. You like like the greys? Everybody likes the greys as always it's really really interesting to talk to you um you know you've given me a lot of support over the years and um you've got so much information so much knowledge so much stories it's been a real pleasure talking to you and i I wish you the best at everything and if you need a hand helping in in the ring with them ponies give me a call all right all right thank you very much Listening back to that conversation makes me realise that we can all relate to the loss of a herd in an abstract way. But with it goes a lifetime's wealth of knowledge. The loss of half of the Ohm herd represents the loss of many things on many levels in the modern world. No doubt we will only come to realise what we are losing after it has gone. Since recording this interview, the Bybeck ponies have announced their dispersal sale. The Bybeck and Ohm ponies will be sold together in July And this sale will represent the loss of 25% of brood mares running in hill herds. The future of semi-feral ponies is hanging by an even more fragile thread. At the time of recording, Bill's wife Isabel is in hospital and we send all our best wishes and wish Isabel a speedy recovery. Thank you so much for joining me and listening to the show. If you liked it, please do me a favour and subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you really liked it, do me an even bigger favour and leave a review. It will really help us get the word out. A huge thanks to my patrons who make all this possible. I am eternally grateful for your support. So why not come and join the Patreon Herd and help us keep this podcast alive. Find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and you'll be able to find more episodes wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. I'm Tom Lloyd, and you're listening to the Fell Pony Podcast. See you next time.